0: I was bald, George (laughs) Costanza. Well, with that, why don't
1: we get started? (laughs) So, welcome to Something to Do, a podcast devoted exclusively to discussion and devotion of two of our favorite bands, Husker Du and The Replacements. Each episode, we'll be nerding out about all aspects of two of the most influential bands in the pantheon of American rock. I'm Jude, and this is my co-host, Greg. This week, we have an interview with our friend Kamala Radha, who's a former hardcore punk rock kid turned DJ and owner of the now defunct Sugar Shack Records. But first, some quick bookkeeping, AKA, we now title this section as listeners know, What's New and You. So um, just as always, thanks so much for everybody who's been listening, following along, engaging on social media. Um, We're on pretty much all podcast uh, subscription services, iTunes, Spotify. Please do um, listen there, like, rate, subscribe, leave a review.
0: Yeah, and apparently, it, like I say, every time it, it helps, uh, you know, get the word out so we can hopefully get some more uh, interviews because we've got some cool stuff down the pike. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also working still on getting this on Stitcher. I, uh, I figured it out for where it went. Well, I didn't figure it out. My co-host, uh, Javier, shout out to Javier. Um, figured out how to do it, so I'm just going to ask him so we can get this on there. Also, uh, shout
1: out to Greg's awesome other podcast. Where it thank went. you,
0: shameless, shameless self promotion. Um, but you know, we'll get it on Stitcher. I, I'm told a lot of people like using Stitcher to listen to podcasts, so. We will get it up there. Also, before I get in, well, first off, what's new, Jude, didn't you create a playlist finally? The playlist we've been talking about?
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So every song that Greg and I, from each album, every song that we pick is our favorite song from that album. So for Husker Du songs, we typically, um, if the album is divided this way, we'll do a Grant and a Bob song. Um, The earlier stuff obviously is not as um, split in half like that. And for replacement songs we'll, replacement albums we'll pick a favorite song so that, um, and every time we have a guest and they offer their favorite songs for, you know, anything in the catalog, including like, you know, uh, solo Paul stuff, solo Bob stuff, yeah, even you know some folks are boldly interested in in uh, counting um, the entire Chinese Democracy album as their favorite Tommy stuff. Yeah. Shout out um, to Sal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we so we put them on the podcast. Uh, so that's one that's just a, an ongoing project that keeps growing, and we put that together on Spotify and shared it through the social.
0: No, so, I have to share. it. I'll, oh, still by, have to share. By that. the time this comes out, it will have been shared though. I'll um we'll we'll share that. Uh, I'll put it up tomorrow we'll we'll do it but yeah so and it'll be always being added to um so hopefully people enjoy so we the interview we have with Kamala Radha um is really good I don't want to take too much time up in the beginning for people uh so they can listen um but I guess before we get into what's new I'll just preface the interview uh maybe talk we had a really nice conversation right Jude yeah um
1: she's so nice
0: Yeah, it was really, really nice. Um, And this one more will definitely interest people. It's a little bit broader in topic. We kind of just talk about the scene in general um, with some Who's Could and Grant Hart and Bob Mould talk interspersed throughout. Um, We touch on subjects like sexuality and things like that. So I think people are going to really enjoy it. So as far as what's new, um, Bob announced... A massive solo, well, really I'll say post-1989 uh career retrospective box set. Yeah, it looks um, awesome. It's called Distortion. It is um <laughs> I think it's like CD-wise. I want to say and I should have I, I want to say it's 32 CDs or 24 CDs, which I don't know who's still buying CDs in 2020, but if you are, you're in luck. But for those buying vinyl, it's going to be released in four pieces um, as like four, eight LP uh, box sets. So that's more like tickling my uh, funny bone mm-hmm. or whatever, <laughs> whatever the saying is. So, but it, it goes all the way through and some of the stuff's never been on vinyl, like Modulate and mm-hmm. his uh, loud playing uh, grooves. I think it's called under the released under loud bomb so i'm excited for that uh there's like new cover artwork there's a huge booklet with liner notes uh conversations with like fred armison shirley manson from garbage um best coasts uh bethany uh cosentino richard thompson um so it looks new interviews with bob so it's like it's if you're a fan of this podcast you're probably a fan of, uh, that box set. So be on the lookout. That's October 2nd. So it's a week after his new record. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, the, for under, do you remember do you, uh, we just have one correction. Um, you yeah, we made a mistake. We, um, we, we did, we made a mistake. Uh, we received a message here on the Instagram from user D N I seven 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 who informed us that Lou Kriegel is actually a she, not a he. So we really do apologize, Lou, um, and to to our listeners. um, You know, Lou had – she praised us on our sleuth work, but then we kind of got like this basic fact wrong, so I apologize. So without further ado, we're going to get right into the interview. So –
2: Yeah, the so, high school graduation smock.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, so,
0: all right. Well, t- uh, today we're here with a special guest, mm-hmm. um, Kamala Radha. Um, some from the New Jersey area. Uh, would we say '90s? Probably '90s would know uh, you as Kate Kate Keen. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: so, I guess first, explain, like, if you don't mind, like. So now you go by Kamala Radha. Did you want to sort of explain that just for anybody that doesn't know?
2: Yeah, sure. So like, yeah, my birth name is is Kate Keen. Some people call me Kate. Some people call me Kamala. Like I'm not going to be offended if you call me one or the other. It was my name for 30 something years. So it's not, you know, it's not a huge deal. Like my dad calls me Kamala, but my mom still calls me Katie. So like, it's not, it's, it's, it's whatever. But, uh, yeah, I am initiated in uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya, And so, like, my name, Kamala Rada, comes from my spiritual master. It's my following what people would call Hare Krishna. Ah,
1: that so, sounds but, interesting. You know, <laughs> come, yeah,
2: I, I guess. <laughs> I don't right, uh So, like, I don't know. How do I bring it up with you? Like, yeah, so me and Greg kind of follow the same thing. I mean, like, Greg is is like my best friend we talked throughout the day like literally he was just texting me before i joined on zoom and i was like trying to compose myself because i was cracking up so much Sounds i was actually right. thinking i'm like should i should i be sidelining texting him yeah right zoom? yeah
0: I, but i figured this way this way too it, it sort of sets the stage for you know how we know each other so yeah we were both uh pretty much the same age and we both kind of got into uh what's called you know also known as bhakti yoga it's a um, an ancient tradition. Um, You know, so some, so we were saying, you know, I'm, I'm also initiated. I go by the name Gora Shakti Das. Um, When I'm at home, obviously my wife still calls me Greg because she's been calling me Greg since, you know, 2005. But yeah, I, I, same thing. I go by both. So we were basically just talking before the show and saying this way, if she slips and calls me Gora, nobody's confused. So we have a, a little bit of a, you know, disclaimer there. Yeah, It, and it like, can so, be tough.
2: Yeah, and, like, you and I both, yeah, like, we're, like, the same age, and it's one of those things that we still talk about it all the time, because, like, we grew up going to the same shows, but I grew up in Central Jersey, and you grew up in PA, and there were, and even now, like, at 39, 40, there were, like, were you there? I was there. Like, it's so weird how, like, our path goes across to, like, way later. Like, I don't think I met you till I was, like, 35.
0: Yeah, it was either the... You say it was the Judge show. I insist that it was Burn and American Nightmare, but, I mean, they were both pretty close to each other, so. Uh,
2: That was when the Burn and American Nightmare did the two shows back-to-back? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely before that. It was definitely Judge at, is it Electric Factory? Or was that Voltage? I don't remember. Yeah. It was Voltage. And then, yeah, I met you there.
0: Okay. so
2: That was my birthday.
0: That's right. What a birthday. That's awesome. Jude and I had Jude and I talked on on like uh, might have been even the first episode of this, and we were talking about how like the Jude's from South Jersey, yeah. but like we talked about South Jersey and Central Jersey are two totally different worlds for the, the <laughs> punk and hardcore scene. <laughs> you're so, also
2: leaving if you're going to talk about punk and hardcore, you can't leave out like North Jersey too because like so I, like I'm an '80s kid and a '90s teen. And there were definitely, like, I'm, I'm one of those people, like, some people are like, oh, I wish I grew up in a different time. Like, I wish I was around when this was around. I'm like, I'm completely satisfied for where I landed in the timeline and what I was exposed to. But, like, 90s to me, like, in the, in the New Jersey hardcore scene, like, Central Jersey, where I was, was, like, melodic hardcore. And then, like, North Jersey was tough guy. And there were definitely, I don't, and I honestly don't know much about South Jersey other than going to brick for shows. Yeah. Okay. That, that was, was South like, Jersey Jude, is
0: that, was Turning Point South Jersey, right?
1: Yes. Yes. So Turning Point, I feel like was like Mount Laurel, Morristown area, which is like, I don't know, probably like 25 minutes from me. Shout out to Jay.
0: Yeah. Shout out to my man Jay from uh, Turning Point and he's got a new band called Honey uh, that's like thrash metal. It's yeah, great. they're really cool. But yeah, so it's, because one of the things is like when Jude and I talked about is that like the hardcore scene that I came from, like Husker Du, they weren't necessarily like an essential band. Like you had, like you had to know youth of today. You had to know, um, you know, gorilla biscuits. You had to know, you know, obviously like minor threat, but like Husker Du wasn't. And then you told me that, yeah, but in, in central Jersey, they were integral. And then I did think I was like, well, you have lifetime. We mentioned lifetime yeah. pretty much on every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you had lifetime from new Brunswick and they covered, Coosker Do on uh, stuff
2: yeah. like that. So yeah. And like like, oh, go ahead.
0: Bad. I was just going to say like, in, like
1: <laughs> um, yeah, like if North, North Jersey kind of had like a more tough guy influence, probably from like the, you know, the New York influence, um, which is a good opportunity for me to add our obligatory reference to Sick of It All for the week. Yeah, um, we, we
0: mentioned Sick of It All on every, on every podcast. Like a checklist too. of
2: which bands you're going to talk <laughs> <Right>.
0: about. <laughs> it's usually just somehow Sick of It All has come up like almost every time. Um, so I guess being an eighties kid nine getting into punk, I'm assuming in the nineties. Um, so how did you first come in contact with like, with Husker Du?
2: So I would say, uh, yeah, like to talk a little bit more about like the, the segregation of like hardcore and punk in, in the, in New Jersey. Like, <clears throat> I felt like where I grew up with was, was really melodic. So. Just like you were just saying, like oh, there's quintessential things we're gonna name in the in the in the podcast. I feel like uh, go, going to shows. There were some bands that were totally acceptable for you to listen to that weren't hardcore, and a couple of them were Husker Du, uh, and and Morrissey, and Moz, you know, and, and Intense. I mean, and um, with honorable mention to Tori Amos. Like those were like the three things that were like not hardcore that was completely acceptable for you to listen to in hardcore an interesting
0: combination because like i love tori amos but like i know you never really like you wouldn't think that that would be the one acceptable
2: well i I mean
1: the melodic influence i mean jawbox did cover tori amos just to that's true i just
2: remember like going to record show like store stores when you buy like bootleg like concert tapes like vhs tapes and it would be like everything like you would see i don't know like i'm thinking like stuff I had in my collection like there used to be this VHS series called Tide that was like a compilation of live performances like they would have like Lifetime and Black Train Jack and stuff like that but anyway I would go to like curmudgeon music and like they would have bootlegs of live performances and like Tori Amos was always there that was just like everyone listened to Tori Amos like it was weird if you didn't and I think part of the acceptance of things like Smiths and Husker do, at least for my personal exposure, was that I felt I felt personally comfortable because of sexual identity. Like those were bands that were like openly not heterosexual. And so um, I felt like even though I didn't know a lot of people in hardcore that were like coming out, I actually didn't know anyone specifically in hardcore besides me that like identified as not heterosexual
0: right and and i guess the 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 thing being too is like the interesting thing with with both huckardoo and smiths morrissey in particular to me is that like it's open but it wasn't open like huckardoo apparently it was like an open secret that like you know grant and and bob were not heterosexual Um, and then, you know, Greg, the guy with the mustache, he is heterosexual (laughs) and that's like, what's kind of, you know, was always kind of funny. And and I think they joked about it, but you know, people that knew, knew me getting into them. I didn't know until, um, the, we talked about in the sugar file under easy listening, the interview Bob did where he actually officially came out. That was in 1994. Yeah. Um.
2: Which would be about the time when I, like, started going to shows, because that's, right. like, eight, that 94, 95, 95, so that'd be eighth grade for me, so I started go to shows when I was in seventh grade, I, I, um which is fairly young, but I think it's important for me to kind of give a little bit of a backstory on that, is that um I grew up in a pretty, like, progressive household with, like, counterculture parents. I guess it's, like, the only classification that I could fit them in, like, they don't like being called much of anything, um, but my, my mom was a writer for fanographic Press, and she used to be a writer and an editor for the Comics Journal, and my dad was a graphic artist, and he was a proprietor. He owned a lot of shops, but in the 80s, I guess in was 79 was when he opened Quality Comics, So my dad owned the first standing comic book-only shop in New Jersey, so oh, wow. because of those types awesome. of things, like, I had a lot of exposure to, like, film and art and music and stuff like that, like bands that I grew up listening to that my parents listened to were things like Boingo, Boingo, talking heads um I, like those are the two records I remember hearing like every day a lot of blondie like a lot of blondie um so because of that um you always know, had punk kids coming to the store and stuff like that I have also have a brother who's older so like I had you know friends through that and um so my dad threw shows so um There used to be street fairs in my hometown of Somerville, and um, my dad would close the side street, Division Street, off that was where the comic book shop was, and they would throw shows, and that was local bands in Somerville at that time were uh, Vision, and um, Sticks and Stones were near there, and then eventually Bouncing Souls and stuff like that, so like, and my parents used to have a big Halloween party every year, and those bands would play like every year and a lot of others, but those are like the three that I think most people here would, would know.
0: Yeah. Um, Vision too. That's, that's, uh, that's just pretty cool to me. I'm a fan of vision and, you know, I know we, we talked about, we were bummed when Dave Franklin passed away because they were just uh, always super and, and jude you're from new jersey so you yeah. like vision right it's just I mean, in your, your dna yeah yeah, 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 yeah it, it came with your driver's license right. a copy of in the blink of an eye but um, even that
2: like in the blink of an eye just like without any sort of hometown or home state pride it's just a really good record you
1: yeah know? yeah and they were they were like a really unique band because they had like a really uniquely melodic sound i
2: think yeah
0: yeah they totally. did they, it was like more like and it made sense when they went on epitaph, like later yeah. on. But um, because mm-hmm. I was wondering, I was telling Jude before about your dad's store, and that
2: he had a couple too. Saying, by the way, I apologize. He had a couple, like so. He had quality comics, and then he had this thing called Twonky Video, which is a video rental business, but it only handled bootlegs and underground movies that you couldn't find, like nothing mainstream. And oh, he also cool. had he yeah. also had a record store, uh, which I eventually. Uh, took over. And then I had my own distro for a while. And then he also had a couple of vintage clothing shops too.
0: Okay. Awesome. So w- real quick, you mentioned, uh, this was like the weird trigger in my brain. You mentioned division street. Do you think that, cause Thursday have a song called division street. I wonder if that is about, cause aren't they from that area? Right.
2: I, I don't know, but I could tell you that like every small town has a division street like my my hometown of somerville new jersey their main street is called main street and then the street that intersects with it is called division street <laughs> yeah like that's the I thing think, i was just yeah yeah I and figured then you have I, then, you, neat. then you have the trees right elk elm you know oak all that kind yeah. of stuff i don't really know
0: so so basically not out of the realm of
1: possibility though craig
0: yeah exactly. it's not because that's from isn't that close to weren't they from new is new brunswick close to summer
2: well, yeah, New Brunswick. New Brunswick's about like a fifteen twenty minute
0: drive. It's like but the there's probably a division Street, in New there Brunswick. There probably too. is. There probably
2: yeah,
0: is. That's funny. But um, so basically, like you're a young kid, so you're exposed to all this. You know, you and Jude both have parents that were pretty open about music. Like, and like you know, my dad. I think we listened to like six ten WIP in the in the car, like sports talk radio. So I had to discover everything pretty much myself um, without having any type of like, so it's always interesting when I hear people whose parents got them into, you know, the the start, like stuff like Oingo Boingo Blondie. I mean, that's only naturally, I think, eventually going to take you down the path.
2: Yeah. And I think because my dad had the comic book shop, even me, like he didn't really start, like he had a collectibles business that always had a record section. That was like when I was in high school. But like, I think because you deal with like, uh, left of center stuff, people would just bring stuff. Um, So because people would just bring in things, you know, that maybe not even what he dealt with at the time, but my dad would always kind of just bring me stuff and expose me to different stuff, even that he wasn't into. And I had um, the seven seconds, the crew cassette. That was like my, one of my first like hardcore exposures. And I listened to that every day for like all four years of high school. And I had my mom's, my first car was my mom's used, uh, red Chrysler LeBaron convertible. And even when I, before I had my license, it was there, but she was like, you have, you have to start it every day. And that was like the only cassette I played in it. It was like, every morning I would start my day off like that. And then I would go to school, go to high school.
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like the crew I, is I such it. a killer record. Yeah, it is. It I, is. Lo- I was going to say, I love, it. and they, they, you know, they kind of are, um, you know, sort of related to Hooskerdoo, in that they had the melody early on um, where the songs were catchy. Um, so, you would talk too about like the, the sexuality aspect. And one of the things that I always found interesting with Hooskerdoo, especially, you know, after knowing about Bob, is the lyrics he managed to make, and, and Grant too, they made their lyrics pretty universal so that anybody could identify um without having to just be like oh this is a song about you know another man or or whatever um yeah so like what did you take from all
2: that like so i mean i think about it because it's kind of hard for us to think about now because we all have like cell phones and the internet and even though internet was on when i was like a teenager like it wasn't in everyone's houses till like a couple years later um but everything that way was just like what you read in zines or what you talked about at shows and it was definitely one of the things. I have never been closeted about my sexual identity. Um, in the 90s, I would have said that I was bisexual. And now I just kind of use the term queer because, like, it's kind of all-encompassing. Like, my basic attraction to people happens on a intellectual soul level. So it doesn't really matter, like, what body or what your genitalia is. So bisexual to me kind of has more of a connotation of, like, I, I either date male or female. But it's a spectrum. And I don't really... I don't really have a problem with wherever you are on the spectrum. Yeah. Like uh, I'll but, admit,
0: like, I'm, I'm still, I'm still learning, you know, I'm like, so a lot of times I try not to like offend anybody. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm just still learning. Like since the first when I heard like bisexual, I'm like, well, isn't queer, bi- like, isn't that the same? And now it's nice that we're in an era where there's a dialogue where people can talk about it. And, and all we can do is, you know, learn from each other.
2: And I have to tell you, I don't know if I'm up to date. I'm 39 years old. Like, and I have friends who are like, oh, well, you're actually pan. And, and I'm like, look, I just say this because I'm fucking tired. Like, I'm just like, I'm just this. Like, I, queer is just easy. Like, I don't really fit into a box, you know? Like, it's just, I, like, I date people who I like or whatever, you know? And that's, that's that. But anyway, so to get it back to, to hardcore, I just remember, like, those were the kind of, those are like the band shirts that you would see people wear that weren't, hardcore it was like you would see people wear Husker Du shirts and you would see people wear Morrissey or Smith shirts and it was like I felt like it was a very like unspoken like I see you kind of attitude at the time where it was like not even like oh he's wearing a Husker Du shirt that means he's gay but it was more like "Ah, I know that these people are progressive and I feel safe around them um, But like I said, like growing up with my house in my house and stuff, like I never had to like come out or anything like that because I just don't even think it was ever really like a thing that we ever thought about or discussed. I definitely had more uh, same sex attraction before opposite sex attraction. Um, but I wanted to mention that because you had said it before because one of the first exposures I had was people talking about Husker Du and being like, yeah, you know, all those guys are gay, right? But they're not together like that was like the biggest thing i've ever heard people talk about like three guys three gay guys are in a band and none of them are hooking up with each other and then it was like no 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 like the one guy's not gay and it's like wait the one guy with the mustache is the one that's not gay. like those are like the conversations i would hear at shows
0: (laughs) i know and i think about all the misinformation that we probably had as kids before the internet and stuff Mm -hmm. that's still like and you know you hear some of the stuff and it stays embedded in your brain and then it's it's almost hard to like unlearn these like false you know stories like i i remember too hearing like oh yeah like you know bob and grant were together and it's like no that never yeah. happened you know
2: and it's because like it was like at the time people are not understanding it so they're like how could two gay guys be in the same band and not be sleeping with each other it's like well just because you're a man and you're attracted yeah. to women doesn't mean you're sleeping with all women but maybe you are who knows that's a whole other subject but um so I mean I think this is something that always goes through whatever kind of uh, you know whether you talk about like original punk or you talk about like the beginnings of hardcore is that there was a sense of that if you were if you're not normal you belong here and I mean, I definitely don't feel that anymore in hardcore personally, but um, I remember feeling that way back then, like, especially in the nineties, it was like, you could go and there would be somebody with like blue hair and somebody else would be wearing tight jeans and somebody else would be wearing flares and somebody else would be wearing huge jenko pants. And like, no one was feuding and there was not like a uniform. It was just like, everyone was just going because they didn't belong. And it was like, this person was awkward you know, it, like, didn't really talk to anybody, but people, like, respected, there was, like, no bullying, there was no, like, you know, going after the weak link, like, nothing like that, but maybe it also depends, like, region and, and everything, but, like, I loved it, especially maybe because it was melodic in, like, the early emo stuff, is because, like, people were just more caring and sensitive, I don't know, like, bands that I grew up with, like, not grow up li- listening to, but, like, growing up hanging out with, in that part was, like, Bound, and Dilemma, uh, One Nature, uh, and then, like, with huge respect to Strength 691, that band means everything to me, and, like, specifically, like, John Stanley and Nate Gluck have specifically been a huge part of my life, and they, they, they molded me more than, um, than they even know. I've, t- I've tried to explain it to Nate a couple times. But I think it's, like, he's just kind of, like, uh, he's such, a, like, a humble, sweet guy. Like, he doesn't really quite understand it. But when I was, like, real young, like, I was telling you guys, like, when I was in, like, seventh grade, I was skateboarding and, like, listening to, like, bad religion. Like, against the grain was really big for me. And, um, but, like, through other things, like, I got into drugs. I got into drugs real early. I was, like, squatting. And there was a place in New Brunswick that was called the Down Under, and, what was really interesting was the down under on Friday nights used to have a rave and on Saturday nights would throw shows and I was going to the raves to score drugs. And I was just there, but Nate and John and Dan and Eric were like always going and flyering. Like, cause there was kids there hanging out and there used to be this big fountain by, by it too. And anyway, people were skating. And so they would just go out and flyer and i was young like i was like 13 and 14 and they were just like big brothers like they always just like looked out for me and watched out for me and then eventually like i got sick of that and got sober and i ran into them one day like at the shore and they were flyering again and they recognized me and they were like oh did you finally you know get rid of all that junk in your life and i was like yeah like i don't do that stuff anymore and that was I, that was specifically John and me. And they were like, oh, so you're straight edge. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And they were like, oh, it's like people like us that like don't do drink, they don't drink, they don't do drugs, they don't smoke. And I was like, that's a thing? Like there's kids that do that? And they're like, yeah, and you should come to our show. So all I did was like, instead of going to the rave, I started going to the shows instead. And those dudes like were just amazing. They were like huge in my life. They would make sure like I got a ride home. They made sure I was like around safe people that also was just, like, this camaraderie and things where, like, people protected you in the pit, like, people didn't, like, gun after you, like, you could stand on the perimeter, and if you put your arm up, people knew, like, oh, they don't want to dance, they don't want to get hurt, and so it was just, like, this love that I felt through hardcore at the time, but then by the time of my senior year of high school, that was when I I, uh, saw what I would call the Pantera skin like dudes that I went to high school with that like listened to Pantera, wore combat boots and smoked Marlboro Reds were like, I'm into hardcore. And I'm like, you're not, you're not. And you came and you've ruined my scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, I guess ours, Philly was, I guess, just different because we had like shows at the church, you know, and we had, um, I guess right before my time was like, they had this thing uh, called the cabbage collective where they would have like shows and I'm trying to think of the kinds of bands like Philly had the, uh like bands like policy of three. Do you remember that name at all?
2: Yeah. Um, I came to the church for a few shows cause I grew up like an hour from New York and like an hour from Philly. So we would go to the church, but I mostly saw like, I had always come for ink and dagger. Awesome. That was like big for me. And um I don't know. That's all I, I, I remember seeing like H2O at the church. And stuff like that but those are the only ones that are popping in my head right now
0: so did you so getting to you know with with Husker Du what was the first you know so you're getting into all this punk you're what age like 15 14
2: probably 14 when I started like getting some of my records and stuff like that and like everything falls apart was definitely my first exposure to Husker Du
0: Oh wow, that's the awesome. interesting entry point. I think. Yeah. Almost, it might have
2: honestly just been what I had picked up at a record store. Like, oh, I hear like this is just like going through, and you find it, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll just pick this up. And I mean, and it's still like one of the best. Yeah. Oh yeah, you
0: know? we 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 did uh, when we did the episode on it. I was saying how, you know, I the first one I heard was Candy Apple Gray, which is way more of a downer and moody and not as like punk sounding, except for you know Crystal, Crystal the first in. song. And we were saying that like hearing everything falls apart after that. When I was real young, I was just like, Oh, it sounds like minor threat. Anything that was like fast. I was just like, it sounds like minor threat, <laughs> but like, it still sounds like them. It's just like a, you know, and the title track is like a classic yeah. Bob Mould song. Yeah. So yeah. so that's, that's, that's interesting.
2: It, you know, uh, it definitely was everything falls apart for me. And then eventually got Zen Arcade and then, today candy apple is like candy apple gray is like my favorite but it's, it's one of those things right. like back then it's like well this is something i talk about with a bunch of people is like in 90s was all about sellout culture you know like now we call it call out culture but back then it was like they sold out like that's the sellout album everything pre this is good and nowadays that that whole thing doesn't even matter because like people are self-producing and there's like yeah SoundCloud rappers, like, it doesn't, like, and and TV isn't even a thing anymore, like, are TVs.
1: And, like, social media influencers. Yeah, it's a really great point, Kamala, because I feel like the the barrier between, like, who's like an authorized, like, celebrity or content creator and, like, you know, who is that and doing it on their own is, like, totally scrambled. It's just, like, totally played with the calculus in a way. There's
2: no fine line like that. And I feel like you get with, like, Gen Xers or, like, what are are we? Do we we kind of millennials? which still feels weird. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I'll hear people that are like, oh no, nah, I never listened to that album. I was like, how old are you? Because like, if you're like mid thirties to mid forties, you're still part of that whole like sellout culture. Like, oh, I don't listen to the mainstream album.
0: Oh, so well, like- I mean, I know people, um, people like that still like that. Yeah. Like, you know, Matt Reliant that we all know. He's a friend of the pod. Shout out to Matt. Um, he, uh, you know he had said there's certain bands where when they signed to majors he didn't listen to them until he was like well into his adult years you know because at the time it was this big thing now whos Du would have been before his time but I'm talking even stuff like Jawbreaker and Jawbox. I was to say that too like yeah. when it comes to Jawbreaker that's
2: like everyone knows it's like that was That was a faux pas back then. Like you didn't talk about that. You secretly listened to Dear You and loved it, but you didn't tell your friends how good it was. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Like I remember when Dear You was coming out, like I had friends and see, I was always, I have people that know me, know I'm, I don't have guilty pleasures. Like I'll be honest about what I like. Um, You know, it's either good music or bad music to me. So I hadn't heard Dear You yet when it came out, but I remember I had some friends and everyone was making fun of them for, you know, Oh, Jawbreaker sign to major. And we were in like Taco Bell and they were playing Muzak. And they're like, Oh, this is the new Jawbreaker. And I would like laugh. (laughs) And then like, I, I think the CD came out in the fall and I didn't get it till Christmas. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this. Like, I don't care what anyone says. And you know, Candy Apple Gray. It's crazy to think that there's a time where like Bob Mould had to write a letter to maximum rock and roll like saying, justifying
1: like, it yeah yeah, like
0: justifying them signing and you talked about self-producing i mean they produced that themselves like that album sounds exactly like how it would have sounded if it would have been on sst
2: i mean like Tiny yeah. apple gray one that's like uh, uh i don't want to know if you if you're happy right like that's that song is like the, my favorite Husker i don't want to know
0: if you're alone yeah yeah
2: yeah there you go sorry See, it's my favorite song. I don't even know what it's called.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> bad with song news. Though. I'm like so repeat. bad with that.
2: Yeah, that's like the repeat. You know what I mean? Like, I hear that song all the time. I listen to Well, it's to it the number the one time. played
0: song of theirs on Spotify, we saw. Like, it's See, like. I'm, I'm, yeah. basic,
2: I'm a basic bitch. Like, what can I say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's like, it's, like it's... you were
2: asking me about my first exposure. And then I would say after that would be Zen Arcade, which that's, that's Albini, right? Like, he produced that
0: no he um he i think they did a, interviews with him before they that was done with spot oh really yeah the sst which we've we've talked about him too like they did it like you know we said we jam econo here like they they you know all those bands did stuff real on the fly cheap like i forget how long it took they recorded the whole thing and like I, I wish I had should have pulled out the record yeah. but it's like a very short amount of time yeah it was I like well like we used to hear stories about- for
2: this show I was thinking of pulling out records to have even though no one could see it just so I could reference but I didn't really pull yeah out
0: well out. we we didn't either great minds <laughs> don't think alike I guess they do
1: but um but yeah it's like you'd hear like they'd record like Motown records like on people's lunch breaks and stuff like that like I feel like all the stuff at Total Access and with Spot like the SST stuff I feel like they were like doing it at night and in like just these like 48 hour tears like there's that story in bob's book i think where he talks about like how they um he like he's like i can either confirm or deny it but like you know there may have been a pot of coffee brewed with with speed in it
0: and it's it sounds like
1: yeah it would help you uh record quickly i suppose it's cool i've never done speed and i'm not endorsing
0: it (laughs) that one is uh You know, that's, we haven't done the episode on it, but that one's, you know, uh, the concept record, right? Like it has like this loose flowing concept from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because I know we talked to Kamala about how um, I'm pretty sure that the song, you know, Hari Krishna on there is like the first time I heard of or heard, you know, because at that point I didn't know Shelter or 108,
2: so that yeah, might have been yeah. my
0: exposure.
2: Greg, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, when I, I figure we talk about Zen Arcade, I'm like, as two people that follow the Vaishnava, the Hare Krishna, you know, philosophy, I, I don't know the reference of why that song exists. And I was hoping that you did that we could talk about that. Sure. Because, like, I don't know, like, how they were exposed to it, why that song was so, you know, why they wrote it or anything.
0: So the record, it's like a, it's a, they didn't set out to, uh, write it as a concept record, and I'll do like high level because you know we'll leave the inside baseball stuff to the to the Zen Arcade. Episode. When we have
1: Michael Imperioli on the podcast, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we saw the dude from the Sopranos uh, is a fan. So I was like, uh, what? Who did he play? I don't, I never really watched the. Sopranos.
1: He's Christopher Moltisanti. He was like, uh, I was say,
2: that's Christopher. Christopher's gonna yeah. be on this. show. Why do you guys no. have me on? Like I don't. No, understand. no, no.
0: no. <laughs> Although maybe if we will it.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. going to be on
0: the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: You guys, you guys got to start what they call manifesting. That's right. what it is. I like <laughs> it.
0: I like it. So what do you say, actually, before we uh, before we dig into Zen Arcade, we take a quick break? Yeah. And then uh, we'll just come back and uh, get to that, uh, the whole story there.
2: Okay, good. That sounds great.
0: so um so welcome back everybody um thanks for sticking around so we're here um with my friend kamala Radha and of course my other friend Jude, you may remember mm-hmm. from such <laughs> episodes as episodes one through nine <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. all of them so um we were talking you know about the you know sort of like the loose narrative of Zen arcade um and I guess the thing is, too, and I guess I forget that not everybody, like, pours over. Like, I, I've read so many, like, more books than I care to admit about all this stuff. So, I always forget that, like, a lot of people, they they just listen to music, and that's cool. And that's you, me. That's yeah. why, I,
2: why I specifically wanted to ask you this question, because, like, that's the thing. Like, music, I'm a fan. But, like, I never read books about music like my whole reading is either self-help or spiritual advancement like those are the only things i really read about and that's, it's kind of always been that way and i was occasionally i ask you questions on kiss too i'm like what is the what is deuce about like i remember i texted you one day and i'm just like <laughs> what is deuce about exactly and you're like oh actually in this book it says da, da, da. <laughs> yeah like
0: i've always been one to like read that stuff oh and also i guess now we're starting the trend we're going to try and mention kiss on every episode oh, good. we, we oh mentioned it with sal and then now we're doing it with you um but we were gonna so say we mentioned something. red
2: cross in every episode too <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> yeah yeah we've seen red cross together a couple times oh that's awesome um yeah that's, did y'all see them like, like on melvin's show yes yes oh that's awesome that was I was incredibly
2: loud it was so loud it was like incredibly loud melvin's are the loudest band i've ever seen
0: that's awesome yeah and i've
2: seen a lot of metal bands but melvin's is the loudest band i've ever seen <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yes. And they're great now too. with uh Steven from Red Cross plays bass for them now. And, yeah. And he's just <laughs> super fun to watch. You were gonna say something though, Jude? Oh, I was just
1: gonna say, come on See, that's one of the tr- tricky things about being friends with Greg is that he's like Matt Pinfield, dated reference for my nineties <laughs> <90s laughs> listener fans out there. But um yeah, he just like is like his like encyclopedic like, brain of like all music knowledge and how he can connect all those dots. I'm like Constantly texting Greg. I'm like,
0: and it's weird. This? How do they record this? What's going on here? That's the only thing I can do that with. And I wish I could do it with other things like upkeep on the house, like spirituality, <laughs> and, and reading these books. And it, for some reason, like I have this, you know, it's sort of like how when you're full of dinner, but you can still eat dessert because you have you know, my son, Jude, he always says he has an extra pipe for dessert. Like, I feel like I have this extra brain hole to soak up this useless, because let's be real, this knowledge of of music is absolutely useless. I'm never going to go into a job interview for anything that I'm going to be doing and be like, well, I can tell you who recorded uh, the Husker Du's landmark 1984 double LP Zen Arcade. Like, so it's sort of useless, but it, I guess it comes in handy for things like this. So oh I always... God.
2: I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. You're I, I can tell you, I could tell you right now how it helps you. And I can, I can make it spiritual for you. This material world is hard and it sucks. And if having some musical knowledge is your hobby, then it's fine. Like it's completely fine. And it gives you something positive and beautiful and timeless that you can focus on as opposed to all the terrible shit that that exists
0: especially right now yeah yeah
2: and And, like and, and not in an escapism way but in a like you know like people people are doing drugs people could be like cheating otherwise people could be you know like you know drinking every day to just kind of cope if yours is like reading Music biography, so you know some like musical knowledge for things like your podcast. I think that you're doing okay,
0: yeah. And that's so I figured it's good that we, we sort of like gave that disclosure too. Because you know, I'm sure there's going to be people like, well, for, even with us, there's been people like, how do you not know this and that? And we're yeah. like, look, everybody approaches music differently. That's what's awesome about it. And some people just love it and listen to it. And it's, it's gotta be playing all the time. Like, I know you're a person, you love playlists and you love like listening to music on, like, it's not like you're a person that doesn't listen to music, but not everybody digests it the same. So there's going to be things where like, oh, you didn't know that. And it's like, well, yeah, I didn't know that. That's just not how I listen to stuff.
2: So yeah, I don't even yeah for years of DJing and you know like that's my thing It's like I DJed I like playlists I like mixtapes I go from one thing I'm like oh this reminds me of this and I go to that like that's how my thing is like I might not know like you know who produced this and like what's the etching um, this record actually meant, like, I don't, I don't, I, it's one of the reasons why I got out of, of the record distro business is because I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, I will not fucking care. <laughs> yeah. So <it's,
0: laughs> so I figure that's a nice little like disclosure just for everything. Uh, but, but that's honestly, like, that's why I wanted you on because I don't, I think, you know, we inundate with enough facts. Like, so it's nice to just have a conversation. Like, like this would be a conversation that we would have if we were just having, you know, uh, over, over coffee or something, you know, like just like sitting, are you,
2: kidding? you know, it'd be over pizza.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, you know, that we would just like, that's what we, that's what Jude and I want to capture with yeah. this podcast is like, we want people to f- feel like they're just sitting in on a conversation, um, whether it's between he and I, but especially I think the interviews, because the interviews are a lot more, free form but to Zen Arcade so they started writing for it and it seemed like it was like they didn't go in and say I'm going to write this concept record it just kind of happened like they realized that as they were writing everything kind of fit this theme and people can correct me because I don't have but basically the theme is about this young kid and he's angsty and he's going through some shit and he runs away from home. So, you know, the beginning, you know, there's like a song broken broken heart broken home. See, I'm even bad with song titles, like is that the song title? I think so, right? Yeah. Broken home, broken heart. Mm-hmm. Um and then he uh, you know, blows everybody off and then the Hare Krishna comes in. Now, keep in mind this is written in 1983. Um he joins a cult. So he joins the Hare Krishnas. So that's where that comes through and then I think he has he meets a girl, she dies. That's like the whole pink turns to blue. And then eventually they do the uh they do like the Hollywood cop out in the end, is that it's all a dream, hence like recurring, recurring dreams. dreams, the last song. But so that's where that's where the song Hari Krishna, you know, that cops the I want candy melody, right? Yeah. Um it uh that's where that falls in, is that he joins a, a cult because you know <laughs> that's especially in 1983 that's how things were were seen but I think there's a version of it online right or maybe no you know what um and a b-side of them doing that song live in 87 but it's like a 10 minute version it it wasn't able to fit on their the living end album so it was released as like a promo b-side I think
2: oh wow um but like I mean like I understand it from the concept album Of what like in the storyline Like I get that but like Have they as, as as Like Bob ever talked about like his Exposure or like why he chose That like why he chose to sing That or anything
0: I'm gonna guess And I'd have to see who wrote it But to me It seems like a Grant thing like Because he was like the hippie but you Gotta think but but maybe not I don't know who who wrote what, who the songwriting do you know and i don't want to take no. too
2: much away from whatever you're like you're yeah. gonna do a, a zen arcade like episode you know but i this i want to specifically talk about why you know because there's there's also spiritual aspects to it and what i believe in what i believe so like i just want to i want to know more about why you know
1: yeah so this is pure speculation and if any listeners like know any more information about why specifically hare krishna I know they were obviously big Beatles fans. So I wonder if there was like the George Harrison connection or something like that. Like, you know, it could have been a thing where it was just like, this fits in the meter. You know what I mean? Like,
0: um, yeah. Yeah. Because they do talk about how, um, and this is like, I, I use the term again, inside baseball, but I remember Bob saying how even then on that shoestring budget, when they recorded the, um, Like there's like some piano interludes on Zen Arcade and they had to speed up tape to make it end in the same key as the next song begins. So yeah, it could be something as simple as that. Also, I mean, the, what other, I can't think of many other like recognizable spiritual like mantras that are sung. So that's another thing. I mean, I'm not saying that's there's not. That's
2: true. Like even even in other, you know, philosophies in, in Buddhism and in Hinduism, there are mantras, but they're not normally congregationally sang like Hare Krishna is. And yeah. that was pro- what was well known and well heard yeah. everywhere, you know?
0: I, I think it just adds to the psychedelic. Like, the psychedelic element is my and guess I just
2: think too. Just so, it's so interesting to think about that. It's like maybe like they unknowingly exposed people to this philosophy and didn't really realize how many people they're actually helping, you know, like how many people have listened to that record and how many people are accidentally making spiritual advancement in their life that they don't even, they're not right. even. Right. And of. just chanting
0: right. along with it. Cause yeah, you know, our, because our philosophy you get, says, even if you're just chanting, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're getting some type of, of a benefit from like the sound vibration. But yeah, that record is, it's once in a while, it's actually my favorite, but um, spoiler alert, I usually go for Flip Your Wig because I think it's like the perfect blend of like the old and the new. Um, but yeah, I do wonder why, why they chose that. So I know we've talked to, you're also a fan of like Bob solo stuff, right? Especially yeah. like, I know there's one record. I want to. I don't want to say it, but I want to see if I guess there's one album that's sort of like you don't hear people talk about it as much, but I know, I know it's one yeah. that's special to you. Yeah. And let me see if you I'm are, right.
2: You're gonna guess it? No, no
0: you're I gonna say it. I'm excited to find what it, it. is. Yeah. Very excited.
2: Well, but if I say it, then you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say, no matter what I said."
0: I promise. <laughs> I will not. I will not tell a lie. Wait,
1: can Can I take a guess? Because
2: I Yeah, hey, let him no... take a guess.
0: Okay, so I yeah. like. Um,
1: for for listeners of this podcast this is like Ka- kamala and my like the first time that we're meeting um True. i'm gonna just stab in the dark go district line
2: wrong
0: oh close though sort of in it, in, is. in
2: it is i i know see like greg knows it because like i talk about it all the time but it's life and time oh that's that nice. record's
1: awesome i love it
2: that's i can't like i can't i can't even like life and times on life and time is one of the most perfect songs i feel like in my life like i can't the poetry and the beauty that is that song i can't like i'm getting i well up just thinking about it like the words on that are just like the most beautiful things i've ever i've ever heard i think that that's like i think what maybe ninth solo album something like that yeah
0: like it's it's deep like it's, yeah. it's, and it's one of the newer ones. It's, yeah. it's the first one that John Worcester, who's now his longtime drummer. Uh, that's the first one he plays on, but Jason, his current bass player is not on it. And, um, he did it sort of as he, you know, Bob does this thing where he unknowingly like celebrates, anniversaries sort of mm. so he did it it was the 20 years since his debut workbook which is sort of in the same vein a lot of acoustic based stuff but yeah i think life and times is great awesome. too. i
1: feel like yeah i feel like i feel like there's a lot of discussion about like the merge stuff but that record in particular was so great
2: that record that song in argo
1: on there is yeah. awesome It's like yeah it's a great album
0: yeah he, well, like
2: he, that's i'm just like reading the lyrics right now and i'm just like and i'm singing it in my head because like i don't even know how i could read this without singing it but it's like the pigment of your eyes, watercolor, flourish, moonbeam blue. The smell of your breath each day. I get more used to your presence. You're complicating things by being here. I wasn't planning on this. Somehow you're getting into my parts. That piece of my heart I protect. Ah, oh, ah, oh, it, it wrecks me. It <laughs> wrecks me.
0: Well, we, we talked about too that Bob has a power where he can just have him in an acoustic guitar now i know this song isn't just him in acoustic guitar but it would totally translate like if he was doing solo acoustic stuff
2: comes in yeah Um, it's so good
0: he has the power to write a song that'll move you to tears just like him in a guitar um
2: even his vocals on that like the way he even says like and the smell of your breath like you could i could feel it like his the recording on it is like it's so good it's so good
1: totally totally
0: Yeah, that records. Yeah, I, I'm excited actually to do an episode on that one, like, because um, like Jude said, I feel like a lot of people talk about the last couple, the ones on Merge, um, which are phenomenal. Oh, but yeah. he has like really doesn't have any solo work that I don't like. Yeah. Um, so, it but it's cool that like that's your that's your one. So one of the things we ask. Or go, go on.
2: No, 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 no. I I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead.
0: Cause if you're continuing on this thought, I want to keep it going. Okay. So one of the things we do ask at some point in the podcast that we actually forgot in our last interview was, um, we do ask favorite tracks. So like for Bob solo, I'm assuming, am I right in assuming that it would be the life and times? Hands down. Hands down. Um, but the Bob solo. Can I
2: ask you? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I ask you something? If that's okay. Yeah i mean both of you i guess absolutely sorry just keep talking to greg (laughs) so like i know that sugar can be talked about i know you guys just did this thing about like file under and everything like that but like i don't know i just kind of wanted to like geek out because like i really love copper blue like i really do and i'm not gonna take away if you're gonna do a whole episode on that but like i that to me is like my favorite because it's like it's very power pop like to me it's like Super power pop and it's got like jangly guitars like when I when I listen to it I'm like I swear he's got to be playing like a Rickenbacker like because that's like the complete like sound that is coming from that one but they're, to me they're they're too they're so different they're just like so different in sound but I just wanted to come oh we
0: can definitely talk about cop I mean yeah who's ever going to get get tired of talking about copper blue like a lot of people (laughs) I mean in reality if you I think if you want to talk like pound for pound with if you take everything into consideration it's probably the best piece of music that he's done yeah because um because everything like there's no dull moment in it it's got a killer recording that's you know we talked even on the file under episode about how heavily influenced by shoegaze like bands like my bloody valentine like the vocals yeah. being a bit lower yeah. not not you know he had it so the guitars are super loud and yeah. there's still elements of like that psychedelic like um hoover dam has the beach boys like beginning yeah. yeah see
2: like what i think of like uh if i can't change your mind like i don't even think of psychedelic, but i think of like jangly like like um yeah like barbie like, yeah, it's like
0: yeah. R.E.N. Which yeah, you know, I could totally music. hear that. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. a that was apparently like an. That was a big single, an actual, uh, like radio single. Like, I could
2: totally, hear, I could yeah. totally hear that. It's very, it's very poppy. It's very bubblegum power pop to me. Like, yeah, I love definitely.
1: It. Yeah, I mean, I know I mean, talk-
2: like some of my favorite stuff. You know, I yeah. like the really poppy stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know we talked about this like in the context of Who's Could Do, but I feel like even Sugar and his solo stuff, like the songs that are clearly about relationships, like If I Can't Change Your Mind, are just so like so universal, like I feel like anyone can relate to the content of those songs.
2: And you know, growing up like growing up queer, I guess if you want to put it that way, and like knowing, like we were just talking about earlier, like how the music is not it's not like like you knew he was gay but like it wasn't like out there like this is a song about this so when you hear music like that it's like you kind of sometimes sit around your room thinking about like oh was he like getting rejected by somebody like because they don't you know don't feel the same way as him and like you like identify with that like feeling and um it, it, and i'm sure he knows like how monumental he is to helping so many kids like who struggled with their identity Absolutely. yeah
0: and actually it's funny that song had a video and he he talks in his book about how he um sort of like gave a little wink to his sexuality there's um i haven't seen the video in a while but there's a scene where at the very end he holds up a, a polaroid picture of him and his uh partner at the time kevin who we talked about on file under he was like his like uh I don't know if it was a manager. I, f- I forget the, the term. I mean, he was involved like, in the
1: business yeah, too. he
0: was like involved in the business aspect, but they were together and it's, and he showed the picture of them. And then I think on the back or something he wrote, like, this isn't your parents. Oh God, this isn't like your parents America or something like that. I forget. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to look it up, you know, before we do the copper, <laughs> copper yeah. blue, but you know, he gave like a little, like that was like a little, cause that was 92. Yeah. So it was yeah. two years was- before before the spin interview right so it was sort of him giving a little like wait yeah, that's you what know? i was
2: going to ask you like where is that on the timeline where is copper blue on the timeline of the spin article so yeah it came out before okay. yeah it was
0: it was two years before and then um when when he did file under they were doing press for it and he he um was asked i guess the, the label you know uh his his label especially in the states like, sugar was huge. And, and yeah. you know, we touched on this before for anyone that's that's listened, but, like, they were much bigger than I think I knew because I got into them at, like, the tail end of them being a thing. But like, were they on
2: 120 Minutes? Did they ever do, like, live yeah. on 120 Minutes? Well, yeah. I don't know about live, uh, oh but they
0: definitely, like, that's how I got into them was from uh, – File Under episode. Yeah, on,
1: folks on who've that. listened to the File Under episode know my particular story about first um, hearing Sugar and hearing that album in particular. So like when I was introduced to Sugar, I was like, oh, this is a band that's in the dollar store section of the dollar, like of the mall. <laughs> um, and like, so I had no frame of reference for how huge they were.
0: Right. because so, so we, you know, spoiler alert for when you listen to the File Under, we... <laughs> we had a band practice for, and for anybody that hasn't listened to other ones it can give a little Cliff's Notes version, but we had a band practice. And then after, you know, Jude and I played in a band together called one up. And after practice, we would either go to eat like, you know, we, cause we were a band, like the way I think a hardcore band should be where it was about fun.
2: Question. Question. Growing up in like Philly area, where do you go to eat before and after shows? Taco Bell. Really? (laughs) I was usually I grew up in Jersey. We went to diners. Like yeah
1: diner. I'm I'm with you, Kamala. Yeah. I me, my friend JC, like we spent a lot of time at at the diner. I don't even know if it's and it's gotta still be there. Um, the Philly diner, yeah, on the Black Horse Pike. We would just go to shows, we'd go there after we're a twenty four hour diner. So we were there. Uh, See,
0: we we were all about like Taco Bell drive-through, like eating it on the hood of a
1: car. When I was yeah, when I was like (laughs) fifteen, I can't tell you the amount of plates of like pizza fries which were just fries with tomato sauce and mozzarella cheese melted on top of them that i ate at like you know (laughs) 11 at night after an american nightmare show hanging out i
2: I was vegan and like going to a diner in the 90s when you're vegan it was like i ate french fries Mm -hmm. and that's probably it sometimes if they were a greek Greek diner there were grape leaves i could get grape leaves Mm but um mostly just lots of fries like that's what i remember or getting a plate of spaghetti with tomato sauce this is like it, the carb load was ridiculous it was like, a, like plate of spaghetti tomato sauce and a bagel but with no butter and using that like it sounds,
0: it sounds like it sounds like alex's uh lunches usually
2: <laughs> my 10 year old yeah in in a. Uh, in Somerville, we had a bunch of diners, but there was one right at the Somerville Circle, which is like the confluence of Route 22 and 287. That then you get on 78 to go to Philly. There's a place called Time to Eat. Time to Eat Diner is open 24 hours a day. So we would always go there before and after shows. And occasionally an IHOP, IHOP, but it was mostly diners.
0: Yeah, actually, we would we would hit, uh, we had a Denny's, like for, I'm in the suburbs of Philly. So, like, when we would come home from shows at the TROC, uh, the TROC, had- um because that's where i feel like i saw so many shows back then we would always like take street road and then stop off at uh at at, at uh, Danny's street no- road
2: you're talking to me about division street yeah and street, street, street road road <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but um so we would go out after practice and we would we would eat like crappy fast food usually or something and then we would go to the Sometimes we go to like a record store. And I guess this one time we went to the Deptford, was the Deptford Mall? Deptford Mall, yeah. In in Deptford, New Jersey. And we were in the dollar store and Jude described it as, uh, what'd you say, my supersonic?
1: <laughs> yeah, you just had like those Spidey senses. You just like, you knew, like you saw it. It was like in the bottom rack of like a of um, an end cap in the dollar store. And Greg was just like, like terminator vision. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just like scan the room and like find the thing, like, and then like, he was like, Oh my gosh, there's copies of Sugar's Spiler. He's listening for a dollar.
0: For a and dollar. He bought, yeah. He bought every
1: single like,
2: really?
0: Yeah. So, so we didn't know. So even me, I'm like, Oh, this is like, I didn't realize how huge they were. So they, um when, when this, so File Under Easy Listening is technically the second album because Beaster was like an EP, so there was a lot of hype. And Bob talks about how, with the, especially the label in America, Ryko Disc, they um, had had it. So you know they were basically setting themselves up that this is going to be this huge release. File Under Easy Listening is going to be like like you thought Copper Blue was big, File Under is going to be even bigger. So they were went on this like I guess like a press campaign. And they set up to have spin uh, fly someone out to Austin where he was living at the time and talk to him. And I guess he knew, um, he knew that the guy that was doing the interview was gay and he knew like, this is going to be my coming out piece. And it was like a pretty big deal. I, it was around the time I got into sugar. So I don't, I, and I was only 13, so I don't really remember, but yeah, that's where it was like on the timeline. And now, um, you know, people know, and he's just still out there kicking ass.
2: Yeah. Still making amazing music.
0: Yeah. Like, so he's got a new record coming out next month. Uh, and the stuff I've heard on it's good. And he's just still, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the reasons that we did this podcast is we're like, he's, especially on the, on the hoosker side, you know, Paul Westerberg, for the replacement side, he's got great solo material, but he's not as he's not putting out as consistently as Bob. I don't.
2: But he still tours regularly, though, doesn't he? Paul no, he? he hasn't. No?
0: I don't. I, I think the last time he came to Philly was maybe like 2005, and then he did the replacements reunion about five years ago. So like, I, mean, I whereas... didn't really
2: expect it. Like, I didn't mean like an annual thing, but I kind of thought like every five ten years he probably still does some shows.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I would love to see him solo. I've never have. I saw replacements. um, But Bob, meanwhile, puts out a record every year and a half or two years and comes around. Now, granted, in the pandemic, I don't know what the touring cycle is going to be like for the new record. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah.
2: Has anyone, because I know you guys are just starting, anyone talked about grant hart's nova mob yet has anyone talked
0: about that no no and please by all means yeah. go for it well
2: like I, are you guys like are you guys familiar so here's
0: where here's where the the what do they say the script has flipped because <laughs> despite loving who's could do i have never i've never heard that stuff that's one of okay. the reasons i figured with the pod like when we get oh cause we're, we'll do that eventually but we'll have i'll have to listen it'll be my first time yeah yeah Yeah.
1: so again like we're not like in total encyclopedias well greg is but yeah um, i I remember hearing some of that stuff probably like 12 years ago and being like back like before streaming services when like you know you had the luxury of listening but i remember hearing i was like oh this is kind of neat or whatever and then just like totally forgot about it like
2: yeah one of the things that i really I don't know. I really love about like the age I am and my exposure to stuff is like I grew up with like punk and hardcore and then like post hardcore and then like I became like I had a record distro and and I and I DJ'd and I would do record conventions. I got into like psychedelia and garage and like all the crazy little subgenres that go on through there and and everything. And then uh, mod and soul and northern soul and R and B and all this stuff and jazz. So anyway, then I come back around and um. I, f- I buy record collections from people and I found these like Nova Mod, Mod, uh, Mob stuff. And I was like, this is really good. Oh, this is Grant Hart from Huskers New. And I feel like people talk about Bob Mould's other projects, but like, I feel like that's like the hidden gem of his. And it's like really amazing. And they, like, there's the one, you could probably buy like CD of it, but the one Pompeii record. And there is, it's just so amazing and there's a song on there called admiral of the sea and the vocals are like ethereal like it's just like it's like i guess it's the admiral of the sea it's like oceanic it's like so good
1: that sounds
2: and, really and it's a, it's got a little bit of like that baggy uk feel like baggy music like uh charlatans and like stone roses like it kind of has like that little feel to it for me and there's some, like, the guitars have like the phasing like the phasing guitars and it's um not keyboards it's um uh, what's it called uh, organ like or like uh, like a Hammond organ so it kind of has like that like mod revival of the 80s like jam feel to it it's really okay. good really really so awesome can would we love it
0: can we put that as your favorite grant
2: track then yeah so there we go yeah cuz we were i don't, do yeah. we were, I, I don't
0: know if it's uh I forget if we set it on or off recording, but we were talking to Kamala and we put her on the spot, like we do with everybody. And we asked favorite tracks and she was like, you have to prepare me for this. So yeah. we didn't really prepare her, but um, I think that's a great track to put on and it'll give me a chance to listen I'm to it. We do a like, playlist. I
2: think, I, yeah. And I think, um, I think it is on Spotify. So like, like the homework for you all today. Yeah. This that, the, the, is mob Pompeii record. Yeah, listen to that song, both of you today. You're gonna to be like, what? So there's like, two
0: versions of it. There's one that says "79 AD" version, and another uh-huh. that says I'm nothing. So you'll have to just make sure you send us what the yeah, I'll uh, totally do that. appropriate one is. Yeah. So we'll put on "Life and Times" for you and and uh, that. So that's cool. Let's see. Cool. It's a little. Yeah. It's a little different than than the usual oh, i'm I like so them.
2: glad that i'm so pretentious and like off script that I, like. no it's it's it's, it's awesome. <laughs> awesome yeah because
0: i've never like i've said yeah. i've never heard that i did hear the only grant i think i heard like the sst ep i forget what it's called like in passing and i listened to his album the argument which ended up being actually i think his last mm. album and it was yeah. pretty good It was like a double lp um I was definitely bummed you know when he passed away just because yeah. I mean he's an integral part of who's could do. he's half he's you know half of the songwriting basically I know
2: so. and and I have to say like I didn't do I didn't do any prep work for this for this podcast I really meant to and I really didn't but I was listening to some stuff like over the last like day or two just to like get my mind of what I want to talk about and I just kept revisiting that that song and that track and I actually got like a little melancholy because it's then you get to the point where you're like, it really sucks because this person was so talented and they're gone and we won't get any more beautiful music from them. And oh. when I hear this song, like it actually makes me feel like a little upset. I love it. And I, I'm glad that it's such like a beautiful legacy that he left, but it's sad to know that um, there'll be no more.
0: Right. So. Whereas with Bob, you know, God willing, we still have Bob here yeah. making killer music, but it, it does suck. Cause Grant, I do think a lot of times, people focus on Bob solo stuff because he's so prolific, but you know, Grant had some gems. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into uh, this album when I, when I work this week and uh, I'll report back to you, but.
2: Can I ask one question? I know I'm taking up a lot of time. You're fine. So so I know like we, we both, like we all, we're talking about like, Oh, like these guys are gay. Oh, but this guy isn't gay. Like, isn't it, um, doesn't Grant Hart classify himself as bisexual and not homosexual?
0: Yeah, like, I, I think at the end of his life, he was married to a woman and he actually has a child.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So he, so he, um, yeah, I guess I guess it would be bisexual. I, I don't want to speak I, I, for him, but...
2: I was going to say, I don't want to speak for him too, but I just wondered if, like, yeah, like, I, I the, just wanted to clarify, I guess. Because
0: I think even during Husker Du time, he like towards the end of the band, he had a child too, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, with uh, a woman. Um, so yeah, he that's the other thing. Or Bob is you know just identifies as as gay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and that and that's sort of too a good way to tie everything up in a bow. Like with with Grant, I think too, it shows that sexuality is not like a black and white thing. It's something I think a lot of people are learning or need to learn is that it's it's not all just black and white gay straight there's so many other like levels within
1: gosh something we haven't even gotten into and i guess probably could say for another episode but is the experience that grant had in the 80s like you know at the um in the 80s uh when he received a false positive test on an hiv test
2: so I, I know we're we're good, like yeah that's a whole thing too like we talk about like, this is two guys that are you know in homosexual relationships in the '80s in the height of AIDS right. like what did that even make for their for their songwriting and the fear that they have in their communities like I, I can't imagine it,
0: it comes out in Zen Arcade like Bob talks a lot about just the the anger and rage especially on side two of, the, of that album um, he said like he plays songs from that now. But he even said like he won't play songs from side two because it literally like brings him back to that place.
2: Wow. Hmm. Like it hurts too much. So it's definitely something that I still talk about people that are like into hardcore like or punk that like identify as anything other than like cisgender, right? Like or or, or cis males, right? Is that, um, you know, like if you're, let's just say queer and you're into, like, hardcore and punk, like, it's very hard, it's a very small pond of other people for you to find, and I know definitely people that are, like, into hardcore, but when they're looking to date somebody, like, Ugh, I have to go to these nightclubs to play this, like, techno shit that I hate, because that's just where other gay people are, so I just think it must have been so hard sometimes to think about it, like, it must have just been so hard in that timeline and being like you're basically creating like your, your audience and you're like creating your art. And it's like, that's already so hard, but like to not, to not have your own group at the time must have been really difficult because I I just think that the lifestyle wasn't really into like punk and hardcore at the time. So maybe it was hard to meet people, but then also like, what is it like to be uh, in a like punk band making music while so many people in your community are, are dying of an epidemic. Like, I can't imagine what that
0: felt like. Yeah, he said, you know, Bob had addressed too and said about how at that time it was scary because, you know, we had, a, there was a president, good old Ronald Reagan, <laughs> who um, wouldn't even say the name AIDS. Like he wouldn't. So he's like, I'm watching my friends, people I know die. So obviously I'm angry because he's, he's at that point, he's closeted and you know going through some some stuff you know so yeah it had to be pretty um i i can't imagine it you know living through that that time in the early, especially in the early 80s when when uh aids was becoming prominent it's just uh it's scary and that's why and that's why you know i'm i'm super happy for bob to see where he's at now um i think it's an inspiring story for for other people
2: i just think um yeah i'm really happy for where he is in life and and his lifestyle but i think it's really these are important things and this is why we teach history right it's because we don't want things to repeat and like right now we're in a really dangerous part of this world in this country where like we're in danger of these things happening again yeah you know like we have we have a different pandemic going on but it's happening and we have like I won't get too crazy and political, but like a uh, distribution of wealth, uh, the economic systems, the Republicans taking over. I mean, like we're like, you know, having Gestapo like, imp- like things happening in Portland. Like this, like, like this is shit that I never thought I would see in my lifetime.
0: I know. And you think yeah, too, like the eighties at first, I'm like, Oh, the eighties wasn't that long ago. Cause I was a now i
2: children. Yeah. We, but we, and now two, I'm like, but we didn't know
0: that was yeah. 40 years ago.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, that's, Okay, so that's the thing too, but also like we just knew like do you ever do you remember that um, do you remember that Genesis video where they have like the puppet like caricature of Reagan them, yeah. like that's yeah. how uh, us us as kids like we, that's how we view Reagan and like oh he's like this idiot like he was an actor that they hired well we have a reality star like who's a president right now like what's the difference but there's so many things oh. that Reagan did like we know these terms like Reagan Anonim- Reaganon- Reaganomics 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 yeah. Reaganomics
0: tongue twister.
2: But, you know, one of the things that people, and I, it doesn't, it's never really talked about in, uh, in, um, in history classes, maybe they will at some point, is that um, there's a huge homeless population, a homeless boom that happened in the 80s, and no one really could understand what, what happened. Well, one of the things that happened is, like, if you watch old movies where people like are sent to a sanitarium and stuff like that. People that were not able to take care of themselves, mentally ill people were put away in state institutions or went away to state institutions. Well, one of the things that Reagan did is he shut down that entire system. And that all of that stuff was gone. And so where did all these sick people that needed, you know, care? They became homeless. Yeah. And like this is what happens. It's just like and it's an abuse to people and it's an abuse of power. And we're really we're really in danger of it happening again and we gotta make sure that it doesn't. That's Uh all I'm gonna say. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i agree and i, I want to we want to both thank you so much for coming on and uh chatting with us um i
2: thank you for letting me sh- like talk i'm so sorry i went on so long yeah no
0: come we could have had you on all day this was cool. yeah <laughs> that we say that all the time seriously it's it's great thank you so much um and uh we'll see everybody next time
2: all right christian
0: we hope everybody enjoyed uh that interview we want to thank Kamala for uh her time for that um so you can check her out on uh you know she's pretty prolific on social media a lot of cool pictures Mm -hmm. um her username is Kamala.Radha on Instagram so um you can see all her different projects that she's working on and things like that so Feel free to check it out. Um, Give her a follow, double tap some pictures. And um, so that's it for this week. Mm -hmm. So normally we like to space interviews out uh, and discuss a record uh, in between. But we got an interview that I just, I didn't want to sit on any longer. And I know you didn't either. I'm really excited about it. um, We have next week on the show, Trouble Boys author, uh, New York Times bestseller, Bob Mayer. Um, And we're going to talk about, you know, not only writing Trouble Boys and just being in the replacements kind of circle at this point as producer on, you know, the Live at Maxwell's uh, Dead Man's Pop, but also the upcoming Please to Meet Me box set. So uh, thrilled, I think, is an understatement for us to be able to talk to him. And we're super appreciative. to, to have his time so that will be next week so all right thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next see you time then man so we're um